Hey, Chris, so um, I thought it would be a great idea to try and do a bi-weekly podcast. Yeah, good fucking job on that one. Yeah, I picked an awful time for that, because I don't know, as we're about to go into, uh, a lot of shit happened in the last like week, week and a half. Um, so, <laughs> we talk about a lot of news, gaming-related, movie-related, and then we have our friend Nathan on to uh, talk about Arcane, because we have... Almost all finished that. Chris still hasn't watched the last episode. <clears throat> uh, but we just kind of talk about it and League, and it's a grand time. It's a little bit longer, but, you know, more time to enjoy our beautiful voices. So there was a, there was a lot that happened since we since we last recorded. But uh, You Chris, fucked us up. Yeah. But, you know, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Uh, but we're going to start out swinging because we got a lot of shit to go through this week. Uh, Chris, so I got a question for you. Yeah. And I know you probably don't care as much about this as I do, but is is Twitch in trouble? They should be. I, I think you're right. Uh, so for those, just to kind of give more context to that question, um, I think it was last week, uh, another of the probably – more prominent, higher subscribed, biggest influencers on the net, on the platform uh, left for YouTube gaming, which is weird because he's not as much of a uh, gaming streamer. But Ludwig, who probably became most famous, at least to the non like super into streaming uh, people, uh, what he he became big by doing a subathon that lasted for I think like a week. <laughs> so like he was on. Uh, he was live for like over a week and it might have even been I think it was even longer than that um and so like you know he's just on stream sleeping a lot but uh <laughs> wild stuff uh but yeah it's uh, a a going trend of people jumping ship from Twitch to YouTube gaming and it is it is interesting to see I Twitch still has this amazing ability to not give a fuck um in the short term I don't think it's much of a problem but It'll be interesting to see if we get more and more content creators jumping over to YouTube gaming going forward and what that does for the landscape of streaming overall. Yeah, I don't think I've heard a single positive news story come out about Twitch in like the last year. And and like, you know, they're not hemorrhaging viewership because they're obviously the biggest platform. They're, They're also the oldest. They're the ones that essentially defined streaming in the current era as it pertains to video games and such. So, yeah, I I don't think they're in danger of going under. But, you know, it's a trend I would like to keep seeing because I think Twitch needs some fear kicked into them to make some changes. You know, I'm I'm not a stream watcher. I don't know exactly what all those changes need to be. But there seems to be a lot of issues with management and uh, the platform hasn't really evolved. And the, the one you know, streaming platform that did seem to be taking things in the right direction, Mixer, went under because people weren't ready to leave Twitch. And and I see a lot of similarities here between the advent of multiplayer-only video games and streaming, where, like, uh, Titanfall 1, when it launched, it was multiplayer-only and people fucking hated it. So not a lot of people played Titanfall 1. But, you know, cut a couple years later, and everyone loves Overwatch. You know? Yeah. And it'll be interesting, too, to see the, how the dynamic plays into it with uh, streamers who, like I said, aren't predominantly video game content focused. Um, I, 
if, if I would encourage anyone who wants to know a little bit more about the uh, about Ludwig's decision to move to switch, and then also just some really good insight from content creators themselves. Uh, Ludwig was on Hassan Piker and Will Neff's podcast, Fear and Molding. I think la- this last week. Um, if you don't want to listen to the political takes, that's fine. Jump about halfway through. Uh, but they they had a really interesting discussion about uh, what they saw as some of the things that Twitch hasn't done well, um, and how I think Ludwig described it as a lot of the innovations or new things that Twitch has done have been all uh, monetarily focused for Twitch, or like ways to get money to streamers so that Twitch gets a cut rather than things that just overall improve the experience. So I, I would highly recommend anyone go check out that podcast uh, to get their th- insights on it because I thought it was it was a really interesting and thought-provoking thing or thing to listen to from people who are in the content creation space. But uh, we have a special guest this week. Mostly to talk about, we are going to be talking about Arcane a lot later once we get through all this news. But first time on the podcast, Nathan, introduce yourself. Hey guys, yeah, uh, been friends with you guys for ages. Made not a big League of Legends player, more so than the rest of the group. But yeah, uh, been hanging out with you guys, playing all the Halo lately. So hey, oh yeah. We'll get into some of that. <laughs> oh boy! Yes. And the and I I don't, don't want to get too deep in the league stuff now, obviously. Uh, but but I do want to point out that like yeah, I eventually I want to I want to get your take on on how much of a league guy you are. But you are pretty much here because of the people I know at play all. It. You play <laughs> right. the most League of Legends, and that's a low bar. But but it's. It's all we got to tap into. I'll reiterate, he plays the game. <laughs> Play the game. Watch a few of the videos they've released. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it, it's excuse to try to open up our perspective, but we'll see how well it goes. Yeah. But, but like uh, I said, we'll get into that later. We got, we got a whole whole bunch of shit. This is probably going to be longer than an hour because uh, you know how we, we, uh, we just kind of go and we yeah. keep going. Yeah. So... Another thing we wanted to touch on is a very interesting bit of news came out from Respawn. Where, yeah, actually, speaking of Titanfall. Yeah, where they announced that as of March 1st of 2022, so this coming year, they're basically removing the original Titanfall game from all sales stores and subscription services. So you essentially will not be able to purchase or get the game if you have not already purchased it um i believe like even if you would have downloaded it through a subscription service you just wouldn't be able to play it through the subscription service you'd have to like actually buy it in order to keep playing it and i know chris you have a lot of thoughts about this yeah okay so there's something to be said about using a video game as the launching point for this train of thought it might seem a little immature but i also think that's one of the things at the forefront of this I, I I believe that the loss of knowledge, like the destruction of knowledge, is one of the greatest tragedies of our entire species. Like losing something like the Library of Alexandria, who we we have no fucking idea how much was lost there, how much that set us back. 
the promise of a digital landscape is essentially the same as never having to lose anything again. Like there, there are products and processes and memories built entirely out of the idea of transitioning the analog into the digital so that we never lose it. The, the digitization of photographs means that you never have to forget what your grandmother's face looks like. While Titanfall 1 is a special case, and I don't necessarily disagree with Respawn's position of not selling it anymore, because, like I said earlier, it was a multiplayer-only game. There is a sequel out, there is a very successful spinoff, and there is assumedly going to be another sequel eventually. There's not really much of a reason for people to keep playing Titanfall other than the current issues with Titanfall 2's multiplayer. But on paper, there's not really much of a reason for that game to stick around. So, you know, don't pay for the service anymore. That's fine. Stop selling it entirely? That's a weird take. And that's not something I want to see people go down, like, the path of. Because if they can just stop selling something... That's only a few steps away from destruction, like getting rid of, disallowing access to, and I don't like the idea of that. There was a, it's really interesting because I remember back when we started to make the push to digital only games. So probably that would have been what, around 2013 with the release of the PS4 and the Xbox One, there were, there were some there was some discourse about how well if you know if if we go the route of digital only for games that at some point in time games could literally just disappear and there'd be no way for you to ever play them again and a lot of people were like no that's that wouldn't happen like there what what, what you're always going to have the ability to play it if you bought it or whatever but in this case you'd still i guess technically be able to play it but like one i'd be very curious to know what the player numbers are for that game but yeah when it comes to the just not being able to purchase it at all i don't think anyone looked at it from that angle i know there's a lot of free-to-play games that have gone a similar route mostly because the player base is just not there and so the development team can't afford to keep the lights on and so they games go away but this is probably the first case of a big triple a studio kind of just cutting the cord on being able to even purchase a game. Uh, I know, you know, we've had it before where, like, games will cut off ser- ser- the servers. I know when, like, when uh, Bungie shut down the servers, or maybe it was 343 at the time, uh, but when, when Halo 2 servers finally, you know, got turned off, it was a big, big moment. But, I mean, you could still, if you had a disc of Halo 2, you could still play the game. You just couldn't play multiplayer. And it's a little different, but... It's it's going to be, to your point, it's going to be interesting interesting to see what kind of precedent this sets, or if it sets a precedent towards other major games as we go forward. Like, I could think of, like, Battlefield games being, like, the old, older Battlefield games. Like, what if EA was just like, no, nope, we're pulling it from all the, you know, EA play market, and you just can't access this game if you didn't purchase it already. So, yeah, it, it's, it's potentially a concerning precedent to set. Nathan, any thoughts? Not too much. I mean, the the other thing I think to take into consideration would be the fact that, yeah, we can't play those games anymore, or, or at least from a multiplayer perspective, but we still have access to them. It's no different than when 
like you said, when Halo 2 servers went offline, you can still do stuff locally. Like, the game can still live on. It's just a lot more finite now. And, right. and, for, and for that game in particular, it, I don't think it's too much of an impact now, right now. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, Titanfall in particular going down this route is probably not going to be the greatest loss imaginable. That being said, I think if you were to put together a museum, like, I mean, I'm sure there probably is at least a museum or two, but if you theoretically were putting together a museum of video game history, Titanfall has a place there. A pretty important place, I would argue. Yeah. Like, Titanfall as a concept, as a product upon its release, was a pivotal point in uh, video games because it was the first step towards multiplayer only something that they were not successful with but paved the road for i mean every one of the most popular games right now it set the precedent and that's something that we shouldn't lose and i don't want us to forget about and and titanfall is at least you know there are physical copies of it around because you know it was during that push to digital only it's not exclusively a digital experience but but again it's about the precedent more than anything yeah, so it'll be interesting. Interesting thing to monitor going forward, and what I said with Battlefield is like that's another EA property. So I don't know how much that was a respawn decision or if EA had any any say in that. But we will have to just wait and see. More and there's uh, a there's a tangential discussion to be had about digital rights management too, about not yeah. really owning your video games anymore. But that's, that's a whole different conversation that we all need to get into now. <laughs> not, not with how much shit we still got to get through. <laughs> but uh, another keeping another bit of interesting uh, video game news from a corporate standpoint. Fuck um, take two. <laughs> kind of just jumping the gun there a little bit. You but, shit-swilling uh, capitalist weasel cunts. Uh, take two interactive, I think is what they're still referred to as. The uh, the publisher, I believe they're a publisher, uh, is suing or no? They sent a trademark claim to Haze Light, which is the maker of It Takes Two, because uh, the names were too similar. So they have to abandon ownership of the game's name, um, at least where it is right now in the legal process. Right, no decision has been made, but but essentially the idea is that they they might have to change the name of their very successful, very popular, very lucrative <laughs> video game. Potentially game of the year winning video game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think I saw Alana Pierce had a funny tweet where it was like, uh, insert uh future to be named game winner of X awards at game awards because like, <laughs> it's gonna win some awards like there's no way this game doesn't win awards on Thursday uh and it's gonna be real fucking weird because I doubt that they can say it takes two wins like they're gonna have to say game from Hazelight right like I don't think yeah, they I could... don't know it's it's really fucking weird I've never seen anything like that happen when it comes to names of shit. I'm like, that seems like a, that wouldn't hold up in court. No, it I, definitely shouldn't. Cause like it takes two is just a phrase. Yeah. Like it's just something people say just because your company has two incredibly common words in the English language slapped together and duct tape with a hyphen 
doesn't mean you can trademark the literal words in the language. At least I don't think you can. I don't know. We're not. <laughs> they fucking but... better not be able to. This is <laughs> asinine. I mean, I think the example I mentioned to you earlier was like, imagine if this was a thing in the music industry. You know how many songs have the same name? Yeah. So many. So <laughs> like, fucking many. Like, I I couldn't even comprehend it. It's not like it's another. It's not like Hazelight was like, you know what? Actually, we're now take two studios even though there's already a take two interactive or take two studio, like it's, it's a product that they made. That's different from the company. I, I, I don't know how I, not being a lawyer, I don't know how this is, how it has any legal ground to stand on. <laughs> and I also don't see how this is supposed to be a detriment to their company. Like, it's not like it takes two as a video game, as a product is like removing association of their name to things like Rockstar and Grand Theft Auto. It's not like it's making their name less valuable. It's just a different thing. Nobody is confusing Take Two Interactive with the video game It Takes Two. There, it it's it's the exact kind of capitalist bullshit that just seems like they're doing it for the sake of it because they feel the need to protect something that isn't there. Yeah. Well, at that, to take something else into consideration, just remember, basic words like superhero can be trademarked as well. Just looking at it, superhero is trademarked by DC and Marvel. So, if they can take just a simple word from the human language and trademark it, I don't see why they couldn't go into this lawsuit with that same approach. But, uh, I guess, if, if the name was called takes two or take two i could see it but it's 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 not it's take it takes two like it's not take two i don't know it it seems like bullshit and what the fuck really they they wait till like the week before the big game awards event for them to do it so that like what you get press like it's bad press (laughs) people really like the game and so they're gonna look at take two interactive and be like well fuck you like it's we're like, doing. <laughs> it's like Take Two is speedrunning becoming the next EA, but EA is like also still plummeting after the release of Battlefield. Oh, God. <laughs> Just watching big developers uh, and publishers rot from the inside and see who can race to the bottom before we hit 2030. Speaking of Battlefield, like I've been slowly watching Angry Joe's review of it, which is a slog. It's like an hour and 15 minutes. But I'm just watching some of the gameplay of that game. I'm just like, oh my god, dude. It looks awful. Like, you, they're just shooting people and none of the bullets are registering. <laughs> like, it, it, it's... it. Oh, oh boy. Oh boy, am I glad I did not spend money on that game. Holy shit. Oh yeah, and actually, speaking of speedrunning being shit companies, uh, speaking of the game awards also, um, Jeff Keighley has come out and said that supposedly beyond uh video games being nominated during the game awards blizzard activision activision blizzard is not going to be present at the show on thursday what do they have that's nominated even um i mean something call of duty maybe maybe um you 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 two riff and i can look into it okay well one thing while you're looking into it that we can't uh uh, forget to mention is uh, EA's response because I think EA owns Hazelight, so 
they're they're a part of ea uh ea had a tweet after this that <laughs> it was like with the music symbols and hashtag it takes two to make a thing go right <laughs> and, uh, like, uh very clever very clever tweet there ea which makes me almost think that it's more of an ea versus take two thing and it and hazelight's just getting caught in the middle which is kind of bullshit and not fair to them because chris and i are going to play it at some point we haven't yet but from everything i've heard it's just a delightful game so it kind of sucks that they're getting caught in between these two corporate entities did you find out what they're nominated um, for, if anything. Yeah, I was checking some categories I thought were likely, um, and I can at least confirm that Call of Duty is currently nominated for Best Esports Game. So so they do have a presence there. I'm not sure how deep the presence goes, because I'm going to be honest, navigating the Game Awards website is kind of painful this year. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I wouldn't, I don't see them winning much, um, but it's been a really weird, weird year in games, so I couldn't tell you much of what Activision put out this year. Right, and if you're unaware, the the reason this is even a conversation is because a whole lot of stuff this year has come out about some truly heinous things going on in the uh, Activision Blizzard offices. Yeah, their CEO is a piece of shit. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Like sexual harassment, um, you know, uh, mismanagement of power. You know, classic classic CEO stuff, classic upper management stuff. Uh, not something that we are prepared to go into today. That's for sure. No, we don't have all the details, but Bobby Kotick is also a shit-swilling weasel cunt. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we're moving. We're we're gonna keep. We're keeping this train a chugging. Um, I thought this was just a funny little bit that, uh, PlayStation has is reportedly. Hey, hey, Nathan, hold on. Hey, Nathan. Uh, Yeah. Pop quiz for you. What's the best deal in gaming? Uh, what? What's the best deal in gaming? It's not a trick question. I don't know. Free? Free gaming? Game Pass, baby! Oh, God. Woo! That's what I'm talking about. I don't know if I can say that. We might get... <laughs> is that, is that trademark? Probably, but we don't make any money here, so fuck it. Does Moist, Moist Critical would... Moist Critical's not coming after us. He, we, we'd be good friends. <laughs> Bro, can uh, we get Moist Critical on the pod? Uh, maybe. Maybe if you start following the fucking Twitter account, people. God! <laughs> Um, but, but to Chris's point, um, Sony and PlayStation finally look to be trying to put out a competitor to Game Pass. Um, they're planning a new service that will have backwards compatible games. Finally, Jesus, with uh, PlayStation, PlayStation 2, PlayStation 3, and PlayStation Portable games, which that one, that one I think is hilarious. Uh, but the, the, what it's currently named I swear to God, I hope it's just a code name because it's currently called Spartacus. And I'm like, please, no, please, God, please, God, don't do this. Don't do that. Yeah, I I believe I I looked into this more and it is just a code name. Okay, thank God. So thank God for that. Um, And what what I've looked into is uh, if if all this stuff is true, because I believe it's all just rumors and murmurs currently, right? Um, This could actually be better than Game Pass. Uh oh. Like, cause, cause what they're what they're looking at is building this into a multi-tiered service that would combine PlayStation Plus and PlayStation Now. PlayStation okay. Now is the closest thing Sony has had to Game Pass, but nobody likes it because you don't actually download anything and it's just streaming. You're just connecting to a server 
to play games that stream to your PlayStation, and that causes a lot of latency. It depends on how good your Wi-Fi is. It's not worth the money. I've played stuff on PlayStation now, and it's fucking garbage. Um, but basically, this would be uh, not even just Game Pass, but this would be like the new platform for Sony because it would be the same thing as PlayStation Plus, which is their equivalent of Xbox Live. That's how you play online on PlayStation. And so the tiers would essentially be, um, I can't I can't find it now as I'm trying to Google while I'm talking, but if I recall right, it's three tiers. Tier one would just be PlayStation Plus. Tier two would be PlayStation's Game Pass, which, you know, ideally would give you, you know, A, a decent library of games, and B, if they go as hard as Microsoft does, every first-party PlayStation game that's going to come out for the foreseeable future. But then the third tier, that's where you start getting backwards compatibility. And that's the thing that I think could really push this over the edge. Because while you can play some Xbox 360 games on Game Pass, uh, that is mostly through cloud gaming. And so that does come with the same latency issues that PlayStation now currently has. So if PlayStation uh, just gets rid of cloud gaming altogether and just lets me download my stuff, and they have backwards compatibility going back for every single previous PlayStation console, that's huge. Yeah, I mean, they have an amazing catalog of stuff to go back and play. So that, that would be huge. Like, that would be the thing that would match Xbox and make up for the fact that they have not done so until now. Because, like, you want to talk about a back catalog, PlayStation probably has the richest just based on the PS2 alone. The PlayStation 2 is one of the best-selling consoles of all time and is the the birthing ground of most of the most popular gaming franchises of all time. Well, and it, it kind of it, it makes it a little, even more interesting... Uh, the news that came out a little bit ago, I can't remember exactly when it was, about uh, the new, uh, I think Alana Pierce might have said something about it, or I saw it somewhere on Twitter, of them uh, putting in like trademarks for uh, PC divisions, which would right, mean yes. they might be trying to bring some of these, like Xbox, to PC as well, because historically, the... Sony has just now recently gotten into uh, bringing games over to PC, but historically they have not. And right, we're starting to see of... a trickle of the uh, the the biggest PS4 exclusives hit Steam, because uh, such as God of War, Days Gone, stuff like that. Because even if uh, is Horizon, uh, but but even if they do implement the system and it's initially just for playstation consoles i don't think it's as big a thing because they don't they still got to catch up on pc but it looks like the the framework is there for them to try and finally after years put up a competitor which i'm not complaining about if i could get like two subscription services for a total of 30 dollars a month and play whatever the fuck game i want (laughs) hell yeah yeah uh nathan as a as a as a boy who is not that big of a PlayStation guy, I think you have a PS4, right? Uh no, the last PlayStation I had was a PS2 that got stolen. Oh, so you don't even have a PS4. That's not true. When we were living together, you had a PlayStation 4. Oh, okay. Sorry. It, well, okay, it so so you you've played a PS4. You've played some exclusives. Uh namely God of War and that's it. Right. That's what I thought. Okay, so 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 putting aside the fact that we are adults that don't have time to play video games anymore, <laughs> um 
would the idea of a PlayStation Game Pass, as we have described it to you, would that, you know, would that entice you to get PS5? Would you be interested at all, or are you just are you just a Microsoft PC boy? Uh, I would, since I missed what essentially two two generations, three generations of consoles at this of PlayStation consoles at this point, it would probably get me back in, depending on the price. I'm not big of a subscription yeah. guy outside of like streaming services for like Netflix, Amazon Prime and all that. But yeah, I don't see why it couldn't like the the last big name title I think I ever played on PlayStation was probably Jack and Daxter maybe. And even then that was years ago. But if yeah. if I could get back into it, actually try like the other God of Wars, granted they're completely different. But try those out at a minimal cost for me not having to shell out sixty dollars i don't see why not yeah i could see sony charging like granted you know ultimate game pass which covers xbox consoles and pc as well as a subscription to xbox live game pass ultimate costs 15 dollars a month i could see sony charging as high as 30 dollars a month for the highest tier of their Game Pass service, which if the library is robust and it is true that it has that much backwards compatibility, that's still a pretty good deal. I I would I would price it lower to stay competitive with Game Pass, but like you said, Hayden, they're not going to have the infrastructure for PC, so you're already in their ecosystem anyway. Currently, Sony is in the position to have the kind of arrogance to charge people $30 a month for that. I don't think a lot of people are going to do that just because of the Game Pass precedent. They're kind of fucked at this point when it comes to the pricing, I think, if they want it to be viable. They're going to have to meet or barely go over what Microsoft has set as the standard. Right. And, and that's the disadvantage of having a, another big, your biggest competitor setting the standard is now you either follow suit or you lose part of the market, potentially lose part of the market. I mean, yeah. I, I could see them doing the tier three at 20. I don't think that people would have an issue with that. I wouldn't have an issue with that. But anything more than that, because you essentially get, I think, a little bit more bang for your buck than what Game Pass would have. So it, you could make the argument. But anything more than that, I feel like uh, only, the, only the true diehards are going to jump for that. Right. And, and, you know, with Microsoft pushing as much into PC as they are, I've said on the podcast before, I don't have, I personally do not have a reason to own an Xbox console anymore because I have a good PC that can run, uh, you know, any game that comes out today, I can still probably run 60 FPS highest graphics. I'm very fortunate for that. That means for me, I do not need to own an Xbox console. So, it's a great deal for me that if the PlayStation is already the only console I have to worry about, and then on top of that, I can get a subscription service to make sure I play all the exclusives, that's that's pretty fucking good. Dude, I would love to be able to go back and play the Resistance games. I always wanted to play those growing up, but I didn't have a PlayStation 3, so I could never play any of them. Damn. So that I'd be like, hell yeah, you put those on there. I'd be, I'd be all about that shit. No, so oh, and I guess I shouldn't say PlayStation's the only console I should worry about because I do have a Switch, but the Switch is separate and much cheaper than I have the other consoles. So, you know, sorry, go ahead, Nathan. Now, I will say if the subscription service eventually becomes PC, then I oh, I, that, I, I, yeah. I essentially have no purpose in a console anymore. Like right now, I'll yeah. tell you both my PS4 that 
I think I've turned on maybe a total of six times outside of playing God of War. And my Xbox, which I use for watching movies anymore, I'd have no purpose in them. Like, I will download your software beyond belief for a reasonable price. Like, I always think in terms of the price of a current game, $60, I'd rather spend four months paying off a game than, it, what, anything less than that, two months, three months. And the thing is, is if I can just take and reduce the amount of stuff that's in my apartment, I'll do that. Give me a, yeah. <laughs> give me a reason to get rid of a brick, and I'll do it. Mm-hmm. And it does seem to be that, you know, with PlayStation porting more of their games to PC, we are seeing a melding of the space moving to PC, which would be the best thing for the health of the gaming community, I think. That, that PC is kind of a neutral ground that anything can be on. Uh, I am curious to see what the PC version of Elden Ring plays like, because I think Souls games uh, have pretty notoriously bad PC ports at launch. Uh, I'm hoping that uh, with them, with PlayStation getting more experience porting stuff to PC, that uh, FromSoft will have tools available to them to make that a smoother experience, because this is all pretty new ground for PlayStation. Yeah. All right, so moving on. So we kind of already mentioned it, but the Game Awards are this week. Um, if uh, with with us, we're trying as I guess I haven't mentioned it yet, but I'll mention it in I'll mentioned it in the intro. But we are trying to dabble in a a biweekly schedule with putting episodes out. But you know, as I will have already said, uh, that kind of kicked us in the ass immediately by having a shitload of news come out. All right, after it was like, oh let's try this and then it was like oh that was a mistake um but uh yeah we will probably recap those either next week or the next time we record um and hopefully we'll have something to say i i imagine by the time we get to talk about the game awards i'll have had my vacation and ideally we should have played through it takes two together and hopefully uh, yeah and so we can flesh out our conversation a little bit more we'll have Um, to bum rush through the halo campaign that comes out this week though yeah also true um, it does it does suck that there are so many PlayStation 5 titles nominated that we're just not going to be able to play. Not because we yeah. can't afford a PS5 or because we don't have the time, but because no one can get one. Yeah. But think of the kids, Chris. F- man, fuck them kids. <laughs> I'm trying to play Returnal. Um, I'll let you take the next point, Chris, because as much as I'm hyped, you seemed way more hyped about this than I bro, was. Bro, how are you not hype as shit, bro? No, I am, but I was like, damn, you, you're actually, like, above me, and I'm I'm impressed. <laughs> okay, so out of nowhere, out of nowhere, uh, Sony and Marvel Entertainment dropped our first teaser look at Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part fucking one (laughs) i'm so jazzed i saw this at work while i was in the bathroom i was taking a shit and i said hold on let me add five minutes to this situation and i turned that shit on my phone and man thank god i was in a stall because my mouth was open my eyes were wide and i was fucking i man i'm so fucking hyped for this movie 
Yeah, it looks really cool. Mm. Spider-Verse 1 not only is my favorite movie of all time, it is one of the most perfect movies I have ever seen. Superhero, Spider-Man, computer animated, it doesn't fucking matter. Spider-Verse is the best movie of all time, and we're getting a sequel written by the same people, and it's in two fucking parts! (laughs) (laughs) And it looks dope as shit. Yeah, I don't really know what me or Nathan could add on to that. Um... It does look really cool, and I'm just sad we still have to wait as long as we do for it. It's at the end. It's like October of 2022, I think, yes. is when part one comes out, Yes. Um, which is about a year away, which that part sucks. But the fact that we're getting at least two parts, is it confirmed only two parts? I think it is confirmed only two parts. Okay. Uh, that alone is fucking awesome because um, although I wouldn't say that into the spider verse is my favorite movie of all time it is easily my favorite and my favorite animated movie of all time uh and it's up my top like five favorite movies of all time but yeah i'm fucking hype for this Nathan, do you like spider verse uh i'm not much of a spider-man person but spider verse definitely brought me in just from the art and music perspective i again not big into the stories but being able to see live, I, I guess, live art come to life, that was awesome. And that's exactly how that trailer took it. The only question I have, and this is purely because I do not know anything comics related or almost nothing. Who was he even fighting? Uh, that was uh, Spider-Man 2099. I believe his name is Miguel. And he is a dimension-hopping Spider-Man, or at least a time-traveling Spider-Man. So it fits perfectly in. Okay. Yes. He was uh, the one they teased at the end of the first one. God. Yeah, there was a post credit scene in Spider-Verse where he traveled to the Spider-Man 67 animated universe, and they did the, <laughs> the pointing Spider-Man meme. Oh! Uh, he looks he looks jacked as shit in this trailer, more yeah. than he did at, <laughs> in, for that tease, but... <laughs> well nathan i'm glad you didn't say you didn't like it because we would have had to cut the segment. i asked that question and then i thought wait has nathan even seen spider-verse oh, i no. think he saw it with us i think so man it's been a i while. saw that movie five times in theaters see and i've only ever <laughs> seen it once i've listened to uh what was it sunflower oh my god a yeah. bunch of times love that song but I've only oh, ever yeah. seen that movie once. The The Spider-Verse soundtrack is the only album that I keep getting notifications from Discogs that someone's selling the vinyl. It's only ever people in Europe. It's always for 35 euros, and I'm just not willing to pull the trigger on that price tag. Well, also because of shipping, that's going to be like mm. 55. That's going to be like <laughs> right. 60 $70. Exactly. I, I think it's the, worth it, though. The entire soundtrack, like for me, save for a, one or two songs, that soundtrack is also fucking phenomenal. Minus mm. Familia. Uh, I actually don't mind that one. That's probably one of my least favorites, but I don't mind it, but I could do without it. But yeah, it's yeah. all, oh, what's up? Danger slaps hard as fuck. Hell yeah, it does. That is a great, uh, workout song. Um, so for those who work out, check that out. Nathan, this I- is a, this is a pretty surface level Spider-Verse trivia, but it might be something you haven't heard of since since you you're not like too big on the movie. But did you know like like you noticed like the jittery animation in the movie, right? Mm-hmm. Like it was a, it was a little sticky. Yeah. Um that was on purpose 
Miles Morales was animated at a lower frame rate than every other spider person until the moment he put on his Spider-Man suit. And then he was brought up to the same frame rate as everybody else. And that's one of the most genius visual techniques of storytelling I've ever seen. I really and for and for me, it's uh, the leap of faith scene when he uh, finally jumps. And if you look closely, uh, when he lets go, he breaks the glass because he was still scared shitless and had enough force to break the glass when he jumped, but he still did it anyway. Chills. Yep. So now, good. knowing that, I'm going to go back and watch it probably later this week because that kind of stuff, at least with the 30, frame, 30 frames a second and all that, that stuff is always interesting just from a technicality standpoint, but bringing it into a story point of view, really, I'm, I'm surprised I didn't really catch it, but... Well, there's so much going... Like, they do so many different little things like that in it. it it's the the most labor of love animated movie I've ever seen, and I... Oh, my God. Okay, I didn't think we were going to spend this much time talking <laughs> about it. We, we got, I think we got to keep moving, uh, but yeah... We're all, and Nathan now is included, all very excited for uh, <laughs> Absolutely for <the> jazzed. <laughs> you like jazz? <laughs> uh, do we have anything else on the docket before we move on to Arcade? Uh, Ridley Scott. Oh, my God. <laughs> How could I forget? Look, if there's one thing that you should know by now that I love to do on this podcast, it's bitching about old people. And bitching about old directors. <laughs> and like, look, I like my man, Sir Ridley Scott. He makes a good movie, all right? I'm not trying to detract from his art form. Um, He is one of the greats. He has been knighted, obviously. Uh, He is the genius behind Alien. And he's got two movies that have come out or will come out this year with The Last Duel and House of Gucci. Uh, I have not seen either of those movies. I'm very excited to, <laughs> well, um, but we're not talking about you. either of those movies. <laughs> You're <laughs> part of the Ridley, problem, Chris. <laughs> Ridley Scott has said some weird shit this last week. Uh, not just this last week. He said some weird shit about The Last Duel, and now he's saying weird shit about Havasuguchi. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so The Last Duel flopped, and it flopped hard. Uh, I, I think... Some of it could be attributed to the pandemic because it seems that only the. Let me, let, me, let me stop you. Here's I'll ask our audience this question: Have you ever heard of the movie The Last Duel? <laughs> Probably not. That's the problem. The movie was marketed like shit. It had Matt Damon, uh, Ben Affleck, and what's who's my boy's name? Who's I'm spacing on because I'm a degenerate. Um, uh, Adam Driver. Adam Driver. Like. If, if the common man knew that those three were in a movie, they'd be quite jazzed, like we were about Spider-Verse. <laughs> but it, you, no one had any idea that Ben Affleck was even in the movie, and also no one just knew the movie was out, because it was marketed for, like, a week on, like, backward-ass TV channels. So, yeah, chill, Ridley right. Scott. So, uh, but I interrupted. So, so let me break this down. Uh, the Last Duel had a budget of $100 million dollars. And it closed its initial theater run by grossing only $27 million, which which is, by the numbers on the books, the the biggest flop of Ridley Scott's entire movie career. And the dude's like 90 years old, by the way. 
Um, He's so old. He was asked on a podcast why it flopped, and uh, and I <laughs> I take great joy in reading you verbatim his response. He said, I think what it boils down to, what we've got today are the audiences who were brought up on these fucking cell phones, the millennial who do not ever want to be taught anything unless you tell it on the cell phone. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, aside from just, like, the weird boomer take of blaming growing up with cell phones on why nobody wants to watch your poorly marketed, uh, um, uh, what's the word, period piece about, like, rape and nights and shit in 2021. But, like, to also then <laughs> say the cell phone? <laughs> they don't want to learn unless it's taught on the cell phone. The like, singular like, cell phone. <laughs> did Ridley Scott write a movie set in ye olde English times because he's forgotten how to communicate with the modern man? Like, he can't just add a plural to phones. He can't say cell phones, even though I mean, he did in the sentence right right before. But he said the cell phone. That's the most boomer shit I've ever heard. I haven't stopped laughing about that internally. <laughs> it's but, been two well, weeks, and I can't get enough of it. All things considered, though, like, from everything I've heard, The Last Duel is very good. I just yeah, didn't no, have I've a chance heard, to I've see it because it was out of theaters in, like, a week. Yeah, it did not last long. No, like there were a lot of compounding factors. It was marketed terribly. It wasn't in theaters long because of that, partially. Uh, and yeah, that's why no one saw the damn movie. Like, let's be real. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know what to tell him. But I, I. So then, wait. Was the other thing that you were talking, telling us before we started recording, was that in relation to House of Gucci, or was that also in relation to the Last Duel? Uh, I forget what you're talking about. What do you the mean? go fuck yourself line? Oh, uh, I only read a headline. Uh, no, it was about the last duel. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I'm not gonna look too deep into this now, but the full headline says, Ridley Scott says fuck you to journalist who said last duel looks more realistic than Robin Hood. Which, which seems like a weird response taken in a vacuum. Yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah. So we'll just go with the headline because it's funny. But then, uh, <laughs> obviously... I think for oh obviously for obvious reasons the Gucci family uh, had issues with House of Gucci. Um, that just kind of makes sense, given a movie about a family that is a bunch of rich people. Um, and <laughs> I think Ridley I can't remember the headline or what Ridley Scott said about that, but it was a it was essentially just like oh fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm paraphrasing drastically, but. It, it was essentially just like, oh, fuck them. They don't know. Like, they should be they should be so happy I made a movie about them. Like, oh, my God. We are we are sitting in the perfect timeline for me to watch all the old greats of uh, not even old Hollywood, but like proto Hollywood, midway Hollywood. I don't know. 70s, 80s Hollywood. Like, <laughs> just grow old and start yelling at clouds. Dude, the fact that Ridley Scott has two movies out this year that are like big blockbuster type movies is insane. The dude's like, like he's in his nineties, right? He like, is. He is eighty-four years old. Oh okay. god, I thought he was older, but still, that's that's crazy old to be directing movies. But yeah, you know the fun times the old the old people give us youngins. I can't wait <laughs> to be in that 
in those shoes of just being able to just yell random crazy shit about the young people. Oh yeah, it's definitely gonna be me. I've already accepted this fate for myself. <laughs> <laughs> just start priming yourself now. Nah, hey, can I we'll, just say though, uh, as we start trade? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. You, you had something. I say, I say we'll we'll be the old people go. Have back in my day, we had this thing called the fucking internet. It was great when you know we're we've lost all technology because we're living in a nuclear apocalypse. Yeah, back before Zuckerberg f- fucking perfected the metaverse, we just had Oculus headsets, and they went down when Facebook servers went down, and we thanked them for it. <laughs> <laughs> I. Man, I'm just, I'm so fucking tired of Facebook. Hey, just remember, it won't be that Facebook went down. It'll be that meta went down. Oh, the metaverse. God. Oh, and actually, you know, can I can I back us up a lot for a second? Okay. Back to the take two thing. Oh. Um, I'm so fucking sick also of Paul Tassie. Oh, my God. No, oh, my God. We haven't even talked about Halo. Oh, we're so <laughs> fucked. Did, did you, okay, is it about what he posted on the fucking uh, Halo subreddit today? No, this is about the take two thing. Okay, go. You do yours, just, and then I'll do mine. I just want to say that Paul Tassi had a tweet. Who, By the way, Paul Tassi is, like, seemingly the only video game writer at Forbes, and he seems to just, like, only report on Destiny and Halo a lot. Um, my <laughs> my Destiny clan um, is very vocal about their dislike for Paul Tassi, and, and, I, and I feel that I have to agree with them. Um, Paul Tassi put a tweet out... Um, in response to an article about the Take Two thing, where the only thing he said was, "Oh my God, shut up, Take Two," which, on the surface, is certainly a take I agree with. But uh, <laughs> I I want to find the message I sent in the Destiny Clan to uh, to tell you exactly my feelings on it. Uh, oh no! As soon as I can pull it up, I'm vamping because I'm typing. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm rolling. Well, I, can't, I can't wait to okay, tell you about that. here the... we go. Okay. <laughs> All right. So so I linked the tweet, and I said, Paul Tassi tweets like a sophomore in college. Uh, <laughs> and I followed that up with, because, again, literally his whole tweet was, oh, my God, shut up, take two. That was the whole tweet. And then That's... I said, it's like he understands that either Twitter is not the place to get on a soapbox about this bullshit because he's an actual journalist with an actual platform, or he can't add anything to the discourse that's not already being beaten into the ground because it's such an obvious shit thing to do from take two. So instead, he just, like, writes the equivalent of a fucking YouTube comment and he calls it a tweet? Get the fuck out of here. Well, I can add I can add some fuel to the fire on that one. I There was a top post on the Halo subreddit, which has been a fucking dumpster fire. Um... About, of a tweet he had basically going, yeah, guys, you don't get any, you don't get any armor from, uh, the Halo campaign, Halo Infinite campaign. And, uh, the full context of the tweet was like, yeah, I keep finding these armor crate things in campaign and they don't give me any armor. And I'm like, Hey motherfucker, if you would do one Google search, you would have found out that they've already told everyone that those don't give armor. So and it's actually even worse than that. Because oh, no. Paul Tassi was one of the initial journalists to debunk the idea that there wouldn't be armor in campaign because oh! he was bringing up the fact that there were the armor caches. Okay, I just fucked the audio on that, but I don't care. <laughs> uh, that hurts me even more. I saw that at work and went, 
Oh my fucking god! You're just making everything worse. <laughs> because then all the comments were, all the comments were, I, I just wish you know we could do like achievement stuff and we we would get armor. And I'm like, well, you technically could. We don't know. No one said anything about that. It's just the armor caches things you find in campaign, which we already knew didn't give armor, were confirmed to not give you armor. So I'm like, oh my god. But um, yeah. So. Uh, how much do we want to address about how much the subreddit's been a dumpster fire the last week? Um, can I read you another Paul Tassie tweet first? Yeah, <laughs> let's keep it going. We're just fucking. T- I'm calling out heads. Paul Tassie. <laughs> he doesn't uh, okay. listen to this shit. He he tweeted this seven hours ago. He said, <laughs> he said Halo Infinite sort of breaks the review process. The campaign has, and then a list, a separate launch date from multiplayer a separate price for multiplayer, pretty much zero crossover with multiplayer, a different live calendar than multiplayer. It's literally like two separate games that share the same gameplay. Yeah, Paul! Maybe they fucking are! (laughs) Another tweet. He says, This is why scoring is hard. I gave Infinite a not super high score for single player, but I would give it a much higher one for multiplayer. But multiplayer keeps changing week to week, and I don't know if I'll nail down a final score... Or if I do, do I average them? Feels like they must be separate. Yeah, Paul! Maybe they should! You are creating problems that do not exist. <laughs> because you're you are because you're ready for video games for fucking Forbes, Paul. God. Yeah. It's, it's not that bad. hard. It's pretty bad. <laughs> fucking Christ. Uh, Alright, please please carry on. Hey, hey, if if you're listening to this. And you're really mad at a game dev. Uh, don't send death threats or dox them. Those how, how, why are we still? Why why does this still have to fucking be said? You know, the internet can always collectively agree that death threats are never the answer, but we only collectively agree after we send the death threats. Yeah, it's like Jesus Christ, people. So to fill people in a little bit on what's going on within amongst. Some in the Halo community. I want to stress some. I think I think amongst our friend group, we've had pretty healthy discussions about obvious things we want to see fixed. Uh three four three I think has done a acceptable level of addressing some of those concerns. Some of them. Um obviously there's things I want to see fixed sooner rather than later. I'm not a game dev. Uh I think Sketch's latest post, although that's what set everybody off. He uh, had a sketch who is a community manager for 343, uh, put like a basically tweet longer type post that got put on the subreddit, uh, addressing more issues that people have continued to have complaints about that with the medium of Twitter, he cannot accurately and effectively address them all. Um, I was very happy to see that sort of feedback as... I just kind of wanted to hear more about the thought process from 343. Uh, that being said, um, some of the responses still make me question the uh, ideo- ideological decisions that were made in the first place. But uh, that's not fucking Sketch's job. He's literally supposed to just relay shit to us and our complaints to whom it needs to be directed to. Um, and people got real fucking pissed at him for doing this and were like, oh, he's tone deaf, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, dude, it's his job. Like, you want him to suck your dick and make all your worries go away? It's, he's not, it's not going to happen. Um, and 
so the subreddit actually got like what temporarily what would you say what they timed out i don't know what the what did they say they they locked it locked it they locked it for 24 36 hours and on reddit this means you can't make any new threads or any new comments yeah all the content Um, was still there you could still access the subreddit but nothing new could be submitted and you you could even still vote on comments just not submit anything new yeah so basically like we won't get today because we are almost at an hour we haven't even started talking about arcane yet oh jesus um I think at some point we'll probably, as some of these major, some major, some minor issues start getting addressed, um, we might go into that in a little more detail. But it, it's just, it, it really annoys me to see just the some of the brain dead takes people are having about minor things, so, some of the minor things. Like, I don't even think a lot of the outrage is being directed towards some of the more major problems. Uh, Sketch did uh, address some of those, like, uh, player collision for enemies is actually on, but because of a desync issue, you don't notice it a lot. And I'm like, oh, well, that's good to know because I feel like the melee is part of the thing that I wish they could get to feel better. Um, and then they went into some of the details on playlists about why just making a playlist and then putting it live is not as easy a fix, which I understand that I'm glad they said that because me as a rational human being, read that and go yes that makes sense i'm glad someone said it because i didn't know the ins and outs that still to me doesn't excuse some of the decision making that went into what playlists are available at launch and which ones aren't but that's a whole other separate issue that sketch is not the person to bitch about because i can guarantee you he was not in any of the decision making processes for that (laughs) so I open the floor to you two if you have any other comments. I know I kind of took the main floor on that, but I was it's something that's annoyed the ever living shit out of me reading that subreddit over the last week. Yeah, I think yeah. the the one thing people should really take into consideration is yes, Sketch is the the voice for three four three, but and one of them. What? Yeah, two. He he's one of one of them. Uh is that. He's more than likely given a laundry list of the issues people have been talking about. He looks at the ready. He looks at all the other social media outlets. Uh, he gets his laundry list, and then the the actual developers have their list of things to bring up. And all he's meant to do is be the voice. Complaining about these issues to someone who quite literally doesn't know, and maybe, I highly doubt it, doesn't care that the issues exist again highly doubt it uh taking it to social media and taking it as far as to dox someone or threaten someone's life over something completely out of their hands not worth it it's again why why do it yeah it's just people having big emotions on the internet and uh taking the anonymity of it too far and I'm gonna I'm gonna piss those people off by going. You're bitching about a free game, <laughs> and I say that because I know it's um it's deeper than just that. But fuck you, it's a free game. Yeah. And to be <laughs> fair, like we said before, being free doesn't free it of criticism. But yeah. uh, this is expanding beyond the realm of what is considered criticism. Yeah. So we'll continue as we all met each other through playing Halo. So I think I've stated this in 
previous episodes, we're going to keep talking about Halo. So just know that. Um, with the game coming, the campaign coming out Wednesday, we're all hype as fuck to play that. The reviews, yeah, I got to go through a whole work week the day campaign drops, and then I'll have a week vacation afterwards. You hate to see it. You hate to see it. I will keep, uh, I wanted to make a funny post in the Discord about how, um, if anyone posts spoilers in the Discord, uh, Gunner will remove you. And then I was like, but wait, then Gunner's just going to make a quirky comment about, but what if I make the, <laughs> what if I do the spoilers? I was like, God damn it. I'm already, I'm in my own head about the fucking meta of our Discord server. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I don't have anything else to add to the Halo thing. Um, it's just kind of shit. Hopefully they cool off. Uh, it might take several months to cool off, but it, I'm sure we'll get there. It's not okay that we have to get there, but we'll get there. And I think with the campaign, which the embargo is lifted today, so and it's all the reviews nines and tens, all the reviews have been fantastic so far. Um, so I think also having a good single player experience will make a lot of people chill. But then again, I think a lot of the people doing most of the bitching are newer to Halo and are are younger people who are too used to the way multiplayer systems are now with battle passes and, and the like. Um, that's just my thoughts. But we're at an hour and we're going to get to our main <laughs> point or our main subject of why why Nathan is here now. Yeah, so... How, how are we so, going to do this? <laughs> so Netflix, uh, you know, in case you haven't heard, Netflix uh, has delved once again into the realm of video game adaptations um with riot games first uh narrative league of legends project yes uh with that's how you can describe it a nine episode cg animated league of legends adjacent property uh because i think and nathan maybe you can correct me if i'm wrong i think arcane is not actually league of legends canon um, it's just like a different imagining of these characters. Uh, for the time now, yeah. Uh, the for those of you who haven't seen it, and this could be potential big spoilers. Uh, it, we're gonna be spoiling it. Yeah. Uh, is <laughs> you've been warned. <laughs> it does start off with two of the two of the early champions to league, I, I believe. Uh, from when they were children, still had their parents in that. All the way up to well, kind of had their parents. <laughs> Not important. Keep going. <laughs> but, Sorry, <laughs> but uh, all the way up to where we see them in the game, essentially, or at least the beginnings of uh, their lore. Uh, and for the most part, yeah, it, it it feels like a reimagining. It's definitely fleshing out uh, the lore again. I've primarily played the game. I haven't looked into the lore, and after Arcane came out, it gave me a resurgence to see what all each character had, especially as uh, Arcane introduced more and more characters, or they at least laid the groundwork for characters, which I can get into that, but... Uh, yeah, I would say it's a, a, a reimagining... Uh, a, a much needed backstory to characters and you can go on to uh some of the wikis and some of uh the websites for league of legends and they have lore and explanations for everything but seeing it 
in this sense instead of a written sense, it's refreshing. And yeah, the, it's a different and I believe good approach to trying to get more people in. Oh, yeah. I, I, one question I know I had for you before we get like dive into some of the content of the show that's that I, I will say bef- on the onset, I have played like five games of League ever. Um, and so I know nothing about it. And I actually really don't like playing League much, but this show is awesome. And knowing like almost nothing about League, you can still very much enjoy this. But, um, but Nathan, I was just curious did, did you know much, if anything, about League lore? Going into this, did you even know there was league lore before watching this? <laughs> so, so yeah, for for a time, and uh, Riot has been working on getting more and more lore over the years. Uh, like the primary thing I knew uh, from years and years ago, back when Caitlyn first came out, was she was the uh, was it the sheriff of uh, Piltover, uh, and seeing and they've been slowly fleshing out the stuff like that. Uh, if you go into the riot launcher over the years, uh, they've been releasing more and more clips, especially in the last two or three years, I think, uh, kind of like little trailers of backstories for all of the different champions. Let it be Lucian and, uh, Oh my gosh, I'm drawing blanks, but let it be Lucian. Let it be, uh, Jinx. Let it be, uh, Lux, guy. Lux, yeah, let it, oh, God. Yeah, I can't remember him, but. Hamster uh, guy, Heimerdinger? Heimerdinger, yeah, I don't know what he is. He looks like a or Jace. But yeah, over over the years, uh, they've been releasing more and more stuff, uh, filling out more, more and more visual stuff uh, that has done a really good job, in my opinion, of fleshing out characters like I would have never been able to tell you that uh, another area where they may go into uh, Demacia, I I didn't know for the life of me that whole region and there are several regions I believe there's twelve or thirteen regions and we're only messing with two in Arcane. Uh, Jesus, that whole region doesn't like magic and if any anybody knows anything about league it has marksmen it has uh mages it has a whole slew of things and everybody has their own magical abilities or whatever you want to call them uh and they've been slowly fleshing it out through these short takes and now that we have this whole series that they could take in many different directions is a good thing it 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 gives us avenues to see for them to expand the world and get more people involved without playing the game. And that's my big thing. I know it's hard to get you guys to play the game, uh, but <laughs> getting you guys to like a series that relates to the game, it's a good talking point. Yeah, and it's for sure locked me in because Arcane is great. And and full disclosure, while while we're not going to shy away from spoilers, I still haven't seen the last episode of the season, so I don't have closure, but I I am loving it. It hasn't locked me in. <laughs> I haven't like had to be like I gotta watch Arcade. I, I love this so much, but it is very good, and it's uh, some of the best animation I've seen in a CG animated TV show like ever. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the way that they mix two D and three D animation is also very satisfying. Um, I have had an unfortunate situation where uh, I <laughs> like being not familiar with League. 
I recognized all of our main characters as being champions, but others who were kind of ancillary, I wasn't sure. So I made the mistake of, and here comes some spoilers, I made the mistake of Googling Silco League of Legends to see if he was a champion, and he was not, and it loaded straight into a wiki page for League of Legends, and I saw status deceased. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, spoiler I think a lot of them are about to die. <laughs> it's like you're talking about closure. I'm like, I don't think you're going to get closure by the end of episode nine. No. <laughs> Look, conclusion is a close, cl- is closure. It concludes. That's for sure. I, but uh, it, it's, yeah. But yeah, so like bringing people in, like par- part of the reason why I think this is uh, more separate from League. Like, I, I don't think we're ever going to see a point in Arcane where like, like we have a a roster of like 12 or so main characters over the seasons and suddenly the show is like okay you're all summoned to summoner's rift now fight i don't think that's ever going to happen especially because uh an area of the undercity in the show they they uh they just called the lanes and that's a pretty obvious reference to league itself i feel like that kind of thing wouldn't be in the show if it was really supposed to tie into league so it's, it's almost like now the way they're building the world of League of Legends is there is a world with a story and then League of Legends, the game feels like the what if on what if my favorite character fought your favorite character, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I got a lot more detail from watching uh, Trash Taste, the Trash Taste Boys talk about it because like, Garnt and uh, Connor both played a lot of League. And funny enough to Nathan, to your point, uh, they are the opposite of you, and they're like, they've been very vocal about, yeah, Arcane was sick as shit. Don't start playing it. Don't. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> no. The only time I've ever tried to get you guys to play outside of just the random times is whenever they do Earth, because I know nothing matters in that you guys get to use the abilities like crazy. Right, and even then, we, we mostly did bot battles. Right. I think I might be able to get into it, but I'm just not ready for the. I'm not ready for that. I don't need another time sink, so I, I yeah, don't think I'll think ever do it. I enjoy the gameplay of League enough that I could see myself playing it, but you know, obviously, League of Legends is touted as like the poster child for internet toxicity, so that's oh. one aspect. <laughs> oh, but yeah. then also, like, I just don't have room in my life for a live service game like League of Legends because League is the kind of game that you don't finish. The game never stops. No, and really the only time you feel complete is when you get ranked. And even then, you just keep going up in rank to maybe to your own fault or you just burn yourself out of the game. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a fun game. It's a tough game. And for the most part, I don't play it as much anymore. Like, Hayden, I feel so sorry for the the years that you had to put up with me on the other side of the wall oh, playing man. that game <laughs> you know but at that same rate uh most of my time was in college where we didn't really care how we were doing it was we were all playing a game together drinking having fun and yeah. it, it was really just a callback back to playing video games playing halo with you guys yeah i guess so, i uh, Full disclosure, Nathan and I did used to be roommates. That's what he meant when he said Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so let's, let's gush about Arcane for a bit, yeah? Yeah. Yes. Um, 
one of the things that I really, really enjoy, like, like Hayden, I think you you say the first three episodes of Arcane are the strongest part about the show. And, yes, and having thought, not yeah. seen the episode personally, I think I agree. Those first three episodes were really, really, really good. Um, and not having a tie to the characters myself, um, the, the only characters I had even a passing familiarity with was Vi and Jinx, and that is for very not wholesome reasons. But <laughs> I think taking the idea of seeing these well-established characters as children as a form of an origin story is pretty played out. Not a bad thing, but it's something we've seen before. I think what is even smarter and what was very cool uh, was at the same time, their story of growing up was directly intertwined with the development of a staple technology in this world. Like being mm. able to see the birth of Hextech at the same time, I thought was the coolest parallel and made the story a lot more engaging for me personally. So, I guess, question, I don't know if either of you know more details on this. Is Hex, what is, how does Hextech play into Summoner's Rift? So, Hextech is primarily in play for characters like Jace, Heimerdinger, the two that we see. Uh, I don't believe it's in play for Caitlyn, but the nice, well, go ahead. Hey, I, I guess I, I, I'd put it more this way. Like, how, is Hextech directly involved with, like, the the towers the the big old crystal shit thing at like your are, base. are like, any of the mechanics uh, in League of Legends tied to Hextech? Uh, related to the maps? No, not not that okay. I believe, but to the characters. It's just yes. character specific. Yes. Okay, okay. See, that was one thing I was like thinking of not knowing anything about it. Was like, wait, so is this? I get because like when at the um, who is the crippled dude? Uh, Victor. Um, Victor. When Victor had that weird like was messing with the orby thing and it turned into that like weird like almost spory looking thing i was like wait is that like one of the things the minions are harvesting or trying to get like is or am Mm. i am i jumping the gun completely on that now that you say that i can kind of believe that uh i i'm surprised they weren't able to bring the minions in but again that could be a completely different region it could be where yeah. wherever uh oh god the demons are yeah i can't think of a specific person but uh yeah, yeah the thing to remember with piltover is they're not magic heavy they're mechanical heavy yeah and i i would be willing to bet that summoner's rift is an amalgamation of all of them if you would uh mm-hmm. But no, specifically to the map, I don't think so. I don't think okay. which Victor's origin story, going back to that, is I'm I'm loving it so far. Uh yeah, his his was he had some highs and some real lows. <laughs> oh, yeah. <sighs> yeah, and out of all the characters that we've seen so far, my I, I absolutely love Caitlyn as like a champion. I lover i'll play her any day but the yeah you know uh while we've been playing league of legends uh sorry i didn't mean to cut you off go ahead but i and no issues there but uh victor's origin story i taking him from zon to the upper city and then bringing him back down to zon and his whole arc that he has in this season alone is 
really refreshing because it 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 goes from this sick crippled guy finds his one outlet to become normal and then he gets thrown back down to the lower city back to not the best place for everybody and there's still room for him to to develop if you guys look at his portrait in legal legends compared to his, his state at the end of the season they're still different there's a lot of growth to go there and mm. he's he's the one that i want to follow most just because it's he has that interesting twist that can go over multi, at least another season but what, what part of uh, so part part of the hurdle with me getting into league of legends at the time that we tried was uh, I was suffocated by choice for character to play. Uh, and I think that's probably one of the biggest boons of having this show, is if somebody watches the show and then picks up League of Legends, they immediately have a jumping-off point for a character they would like to try and play. Yeah. Uh, especially to the point that when we played League, I always played Pantheon. Um, because at the time when we started, you know, I was... Uh, pretty big into Greek mythology. Like, I think we all went through a phase like that in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought the idea of Pantheon was pretty cool. And he was a pretty low difficulty champion. So I picked him up. And I liked him a lot. So I never put him back down. Anytime we'd play, I just picked up Pantheon. Because I already had him unlocked. And I knew I liked him. But after having watched this show, I think I would actually vibe tremendously with Vi or Jace. Mm. Both both of those in their fighting style seems like something that would be so much more up my alley than Pantheon and, that I kind of want to try playing as Vi. And the funny thing is, is if I remember correctly, uh, all three of those champions, all three of those characters are all the at least the same kind of laner. Uh, I I believe one's a bruiser and others other things, but uh, no, getting that connection between Pantheon and Vi it it was nice uh in the sense that they really they you're able to draw the connection between the the upfront brutal one the brutish character bruisers yeah yeah bruisers thank you jeez uh <laughs> but you're able to get those connections and yeah it it makes you i would think it would want to make you play more champions just like you're saying go from Pantheon to, to Vi. Also, uh, something I loved that is only experience that probably I had uh, in, in the initial episodes when Jace and Victor are presenting their Hextech prototypes and they've got like the prototype of what would become Jace's hammer and Vi's gauntlets. Um, I, I knew after a little bit of research that that was going to be Jace's hammer, but I, I legitimately thought, oh, the gauntlets are just like a utility thing to show off the Hextech. But then in episode eight, when Vi picks up the gauntlets, I knew that Vi had big fist in the game. And at that point, I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I One thing I think is very promising about this show is one, it's, you know, accessibility. Like I said, someone like me who knows nothing about League, it's like you can still really enjoy it. But two, just knowing enough of what I do about League. And just how many goddamn characters there are. And like Nathan, you said, with with how many different regions there are, like they can do a lot going forward of just standalone stories that don't even necessarily have to be like connected to a previous season. Granted, the way season one ends, I would like 
any bit of like, oh, this is what happened after everything went kabloomy. Um, but if not, okay, the you told the story of season one and Piltover, and now we're just gonna go check out like eight or nine other characters from League in a different region. Like there, there's a lot of possibilities for where they could go with it, and I think it was also um, on Trash Taste where they were talking about how. In League lore, there's like a gigantic war amongst multiple different regions where you could have like your Avengers moment of bringing all these different characters together to fight each other. And you you could, I just think like the pos- those sort of possibilities are just very interesting to see where it goes forward. And there's just, uh, it, it's kind of refreshing to see this much potential from something that has come from a video game, which typically we don't see very good video game adaptations i mean the only other thing that comes to my mind that is on par if better is castlevania most like i mean I, there was a dota there was a dota show that came out like i think last year and i'm pretty sure it was terrible so <laughs> league i guess is the better game because its adaptation <laughs> is <Yeah>. better <laughs> yeah calling out, calling out dota fuck yeah and going to the uh to the whole, where do they go from here? Do they go to another region or what? Uh, the way they set up the season finale uh, allows them to even just go into backstories of other regions. So, uh, like Jace's uh, love interest, her mother's from, what, Noxus, I think? Uh, yeah. And having her mother there, the, the way that the season finale ends and having Zon and Piltover, Piltover all involved already uh, really opens it up. We can go deeper into Zon, we can go deeper into Noxus, and each of the, each region has, I want to say at least, what, 10 champions? So that's 10 I was, new I characters. Have to. Yeah. And the thing is... <laughs> There's just so many. And the thing is, is... And, I don't know if you guys would pick up on it, but when they were in Zon and they were already laying the seeds for more characters, uh, expanding into those regions, like uh, seeing the rat uh, character at the table with, was it Silas or whatever the main antagonist was? Uh, the rat there or seeing the, the chemical testing on rats leads us to twitch uh the the experimental guy that uh victor talks to if you know singed enough i want to say and i could be wrong i want to say that that is the beginning of his backstory and get him oh, yeah. involved i'm pretty sure it is i that he was the creepy guy creepy scientist guy who was like injecting people with mm-hmm. shit mm-hmm yeah, that was I. I had that spoiled me for me from Gigak's video on Arcane. Of he's like, yeah, that's this guy, okay. and you see the picture of him when he's a legend, and you're like, wait, what? Yeah, because <laughs> he looks so different. And they're, and they're, going back to the whole backstory, it it's nice to see them transition into who we know they are, because Powder, I I was trying to wrap my head around why is she being called Powder. Didn't click with me that oh, yeah. one they were still kids, and two. We were in backstory it mode. Was, it was more a nickname than it was an actual exactly. name. Exactly. 
Well, so Chris, yeah, you should uh, you should finish it because it ends with a bang. <laughs> yeah, I will. I I don't know if I'll do it tonight, but I do want to finish it. Uh, and uh, you know, I don't need to hope for a season two. I don't know if it's been confirmed yet, but we're gonna get one. Oh yeah, there's no way they don't. It was too successful for them to not do another one. I just wish I had more time to try to get into league. Cause uh, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably right. Uh, but I do wish that I had tried out Vi in my time. Um, but good, good show. Uh, do you guys have anything more specific you want to get into on it? Uh, not really. I mean, the pacing, just the pacing was great. The animation's great. You care about all the characters, which is not always normal for animated type stuff. Um, yeah, I highly recommend it. Um, it's just a good quality show. Like I said, I've said multiple times now, you don't have to know anything about League to enjoy this show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's so open-ended with all the characters. I'm curious to see where they go. If they can get my girl Nami and my girl Caitlyn in the same room, I'll be happy. Is it likely? Probably not. <laughs> give us misfortune or give us dead. <laughs> I'm with that one. That's all I want. Big titty pirate. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, I think that's going to do it for us this week, then. I got to order some Chinese takeout before they close. Um, oh shit yeah you do okay they're still open for another hour sick uh all right well so yeah that's gonna do it uh if you like what you heard uh tell a friend because that's the best way for us to spread around follow us on twitter at obsession underscore pod nathan thank you very much for uh joining us this week for an extra long episode yeah thanks for having me on and uh, we will see all of you in two weeks, probably, unless uh, Hayden decides he's too good for me during the holidays and isn't able to make a recording. Tee-hee. All right, I hated that. I don't want to end the episode on that. All right, bye. Bye.